This is Eric Luton, pastor of the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. The ministry of Ellerslie endeavors to once again see triumphant Christianity stride upon the stage of time and to see the church of Jesus Christ built strong to stand immovable in these times of sinking sand. We hope this podcast is an encouragement to your soul. If you would like to stream live or visit us in person or even support us financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. The name of this message is Removing Old Sandals. And uh, I'll give you more of a background on this and where this comes from, but uh, I am going to remove my shoes for this message. All right, and I do have fresh socks on. Uh, for any of you that are wondering, but I'm doing this, and the reason I announced that I'm doing it is because anyone who is listening to this via podcast, that would be, oh, great, having trouble with my laces. I should have, like, pre-done them or something before this, but this is a symbolic gesture. Of course, in the Old Testament, when they have sandals, it's a little different, and you would bind on a sandal. However, to remove shoes, uh, symbolically throughout the Bible is very, very significant. Oftentimes it indicates a recognition of a sacred space, a sacred territory, a sacred transition. And so where we're at in Deuteronomy uh, in this process of this series called The Shadow Nation Rises is we are right at that juncture of sending forth a new leader into a new land. And it is the putting off of the old and a putting on of the new. And so let's navigate through this. I think the potential for this symbol in all of our lives is, uh, it has a tremendous uh, potential to impact us and to change us. So I wanted to give a special dedication uh, to Steve Altmaier for this. Uh, He is the Mother, the mother, sorry, Steve. Uh, he's the father of Jenna Altmeyer, who just got married last night on this stage uh, to Joseph Mockler. So now she's Jenna Mockler, uh, to be correct. And Steve and I sat down the other day and for just a few minutes, it wasn't even that long of a time, and he shared his heart with me. And Steve, I was so blessed by that. And it was interesting because as I approached this part of Deuteronomy that I'm in, which is at the end of the third chapter, I recognize the significance of that conversation and what it meant to me. It was like, in a sense, washed my feet. And so I wanted to just acknowledge that at the the front end of how the body of Christ works, that burden that God has stirred within you and how it fans into flame the burden that is inside of me. Deuteronomy 29.5, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness, your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandal has not worn out on your foot. So this generation that is still alive, this previous generation that had, in a sense, rejected God, his promise, uh, they had died in the wilderness because of unbelief, the remaining generation, which we could call the second generation, They have lived for 40 years in this wilderness, and their clothes have not worn out, and their sandals have not worn out. That's some supernatural sandals, by the way, guys, Uh, some supernatural clothes. I don't know how long you keep your clothes, uh, but 40 years is a long time to have shoes that do not wear out. I can, with the way that I move and I walk, 
I go through a lot of shoes. I do, just because I'm constantly moving. And so this is, this is amazing, because this group is constantly moving on very hot territory, wilderness desert territory, which is going to wear out things quicker than others. And so what we have is a supernatural uh, work of grace to supply a, a clothing that does not wear out. So I don't want to criticize uh, what we are going to be taking off here, but I'm hinting at something. They've been given shoes. These shoes don't wear out for 30 years, and then suddenly they're going to need to swap them out. Isaiah 43, 16 through 19, thus says the Lord, who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse and the army and the mighty men. So what does that Lord that does all this mighty work say? Listen to this. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. So I'm going to pick out this little portion of that because I want to amplify it. I want us to see it today, and that is, behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? When Steve and I were talking, that was, I think, the burden that he was sharing with me in a nutshell is, are we prepared as the church for the something new? Are we prepared for what God is desiring to do? Many of us struggle with what has taken place in COVID-19 because it messes with our traditions. It messes with the way we have always done things. And I'll put myself at the top of the list. I really like systems and rhythms and the way that I've always done things. And you could call them traditions. And traditions have wonderful value in our life, and it's not to negate their value, like Christmas traditions. I mean, if I were to start going around, we could spend the rest of our time together just enjoying and reflecting upon traditions, and they bring such a warmth, such a familiarity, such a consistency in our life. They, they bring old feelings back that we cherish. And yet sometimes traditions can stand in the way. When Jesus arrives on the scene of time, there is going to be a culture that is deeply entrenched in tradition. And Jesus is going to bring about a new thing, but those that are wanting to hang on to their traditions will actually reject that new thing. And what that new thing is is better than their traditions. In fact, it's almost like you could say their traditions are setting them up to fully appreciate this new thing. And yet when you cling too tightly to your traditions, you oftentimes lose what God is doing. The Israelites were led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You don't want to remain where you are, even though you've made some good buddies there in the wilderness and you've built a sandcastle over here. You have a really good rock climbing wall over here, and then the cloud moves. You want to go where the cloud goes, even though it's to a new place. And so what we have in this transition in Deuteronomy is we don't just have a new place. We have a new place, capital N. This is like a new land, a new territory. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, an, it's a second invite to a second generation to cross a second body of water into a second land to follow a second leader to live a second life. This is, that's Deuteronomy in a nutshell. It is the beginning of something new. It is the last gasp of Moses as he hands off the baton to Joshua. Same name as Jesus. The first is passing off the baton 
to the second. And what they are giving up is supernatural. They've been wandering around in the wilderness being fed by, by manna supernaturally. Their clothes have not worn out. Their shoes have not worn out. And yet, you don't want to cling to that when the new thing is up ahead. Exodus 3, 4 through 5. When the Lord saw that he, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, Moses has turned aside to see the bush that is burning with fire. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Forty years complete, the Lord meets his man. His man removes his sandals. Something new is beginning. The deliverance of a people from their bondage and slavery is about to commence. And what you're going to see is it's the end of a 40. It's a man who encounters God and who removes his sandals. Joshua 5, 6 through 15 which we have not gotten to in our flow of Deuteronomy yet. So this is a spoiler alert for all of you that don't know where this is going. However, Joshua is going to enter the land, and in the very first steps in entering the land, for the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flown with milk and honey. Their children whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them along the way. Nor when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in their place in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. Okay, of course, anytime you see Passover, it should get you excited because that's the same day that we're going to see the great work of the cross. On the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. What, what, what does that matter? This is a new beginning, guys. The manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with, with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, No. That's a very weird answer to the question. That, that doesn't quite answer my question. No. Rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What is my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Forty years complete, the Lord meets his man, his man removes his sandals. Guys, we have a new beginning. We have a new start. So, 
I wish I could zoom in on this. It's not, a, I should have zoomed in a little better. You see the whole land of promise, and last week we went through the conquering on the east side of the Jordan. If you go straight above that star, which is marking where they are at at Jericho, if you go straight above that, that's the, the Jordan River, and to the east of that, to the right on your screen, you're going to see what we talked about last uh, week, which is the land east of the Jordan that Reuben and Gad and half-tribe of Manasseh are going to claim instead of in the land of promise. And that was part of what we talked about last week of stopping short of the grand promise. And so what we have is the crossing over into this great land. That gives you at least an indication, which we'll play into it as we progress, of where we're at in this grand adventure. It's time for something new. Now, I want you to recognize that at multiple levels right now. First of all, in the story that we're talking about with Joshua, it's time for something new. And yet, we're going to see a parallel to this take place in the ministry of Jesus Christ, which we haven't gotten to yet. And it's going to be the time for something new. And I'm going to now say, but we want to bring this into our present tense, understanding of following Jesus, that when the cloud begins to move, are we ready to follow and do something new? I feel like God is setting us up as a church to do something new and to not just stick in our old systems that we have all inherited, that we're all used to. And I'm not even going to say that it's not a supernatural system and we haven't seen the power of God revealed in it. And yet, I for one want to go where God is going. I do not want to walk around in old shoes if he wants to shod my feet with new ones. Isaiah 43, 19. This is review and I'll review this multiple times. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? Now look at the word new in that sentence, and I want you to see it as a capital N. You see, God is going to do something new, and it's going to be a capital version of doing something new, and that's the work of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate new work. It's a new creation in his blood. It is a new work. And yet, I want you now to uncapitalize that and move it down to the pedestrian level that we live in all the time. There are seasons in our life where God will bring us to a time frame where he wants to do something new. And he needs us to be willing to bust out of traditions. He needs us to be willing to leave old things behind. Old habits. Old mentalities. Technically, it's called repentance. However, there's a version of moving forward that doesn't involve something bad behind us, but it involves a change into something better, something significant that our God is desiring for us that we have to be willing to agree with and to go forward in. Will you not be aware of it? Deuteronomy 3, 21 through 22. So this is where we were at last week when we finished, is we have... The land east of the Jordan has been requested by Reuben and Gad, and they have received their inheritance, but it wasn't in the land of promise. Oh, they had a lot of livestock, and that would solve their riddles for their livestock, and technically you could almost see it. It's like, I don't really care about that. This is land that's good enough for us. And the worst thing we can settle for in our Christian life is good enough. When God has given us promise of something so much greater, and I feel like as the church of Jesus Christ, we're at that exact juncture right now. Are we going to settle for good enough? Some people really get upset with Eric Ludy when I make statements about God desiring more for us because they're like, what's wrong with what we have? 
I like what we have. I like our traditional church. I like how we do things. And it's not that I want to criticize any of these things as if they're bad or evil in and of themselves. It's just that I desire the fullness of what Jesus Christ intends for us. And so I don't mean to offend someone by saying that there's something so much better out there. I don't want to just kick what we have had. At the same time, comparatively to what God desires to do, this really is nothing. (laughs) This stinks. It's a shadow of something greater. So Moses commanded Joshua at that time, saying, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So Sion and Og have fallen. And Moses is telling Joshua, who's now going to be the new leader. Of course, this is Jesus. This is a picture of Jesus. In the Old Testament, it is a real guy named Joshua. However, it's a picture of the one to come, the Joshua who is to come. So Joshua, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So the Lord shall do to all the so the Lord shall do to all the kingdoms into which you are about to cross. Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. I think we need to remember that. We're headed into new territory. But we need to remember just as God has taken down Sion and Og in our first in our land east of the Jordan. Yeah, he's shown his power here. Remember how your shoes didn't wear out? You remember how he fed you with manna supernaturally? Same God is going to go before you. So Deuteronomy 3, 23 through 28. Listen to Moses here. I also pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Let me, I pray, cross over and see the fair land that is beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon. I don't blame them. This is, this is the right attitude. Reuben and Gad are satisfied with something lesser. Moses sees it, but the, sh- the shocking response of God to Moses always you know, disturbs many of us. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough. Speak to me no more of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes to the west and north and south and east and see it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go across at the head of his people, and he will give them as an inheritance the land which you will see. See, that's hard for many of us because it's like, God, I mean, Moses desires the right thing. You see, imagine that your old sandals said, could I go with you? Could I go with you? I mean, I've stayed with you this entire great journey. We've gone through all of this together. Could I go in too with you on your feet? And God says, enough. I need to put you off now. You've had a purpose here. Moses is going to be symbolic. He's going to be symbolic of a first. He's going to be symbolic of the law. That which cannot bring you into the land of promise, but that which must be put off at a certain point so that you can wear what you were being prepared for. Moses is significant. He is a supernatural guy in so many regards. He is living his supernatural life, and what he is doing for the people is good. He has led them to this point, but at this point, it's time to move on and put off the first so that they can wear the second or to slide off the sandals that they have been walking in and put on new shoes. So 
that's where Pisgah, well, it's at least an estimate of where Pisgah is. Uh, according to most scholars, they say they have no idea where it is, but it's in the northern territory of Moab, so there you see, and it can look across into the territory, so that maybe Nathan has it better figured out where Pisgah is. Do they have a, guess, a, a educated guess, or is it still just a mountain region? Oh, you don't know? Nathan's not going to go on record and be one of the scholars that claims uh, that. But you'll notice that it's outside of all the territory that all the tribes are going to inherit. It's like, Moses, you stay out here. This is what you get. You get to go to the top of Pisgah. It's like even the mountain doesn't even sound like a good place. Pisgah. I mean, I don't want to go there. How about the land of promise flows with milk and honey? Instead, he gets Pisgah. Pisgah, a fragment, only a small part. Isn't that an incredible term for what? the first, the ones that don't get to press on, we are those that get to press on. We aren't meant to just have a fragment and a small part. We are following the train of Joshua, the second. The new covenant in his blood is greater than the old covenant. And as a result, we do not have to stand on Pisgah. We are not relegated to the first condition of only being able to stare longingly in. I, I think that's just amazing. So put off the old man. This is how it is said in the New Testament, as Paul is going to describe this very thing that I'm describing for you, is that there's a first garment that we are wearing. And this is what we traverse in and through this wilderness season of our life in. And hey, you know, it's thank you, Lord, for how you've given me life but there is a greater life to have. And so at the inception of Christianity, we are putting off a first so that we can wear something greater. So putting off the old clothing and the old sandals. Colossians 3.9, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Put on the new man, the new clothing, the new sandals. You see, there seems to be this transition point where the clothing is going to shift. It's just fascinating that we see clothing, even shoes. This is not something we typically focus on. In, in our culture, I mean, we do think about shoes, but not in the classic Jewish sense. In the, in the Jewish sense, every body part has a symbol, has a meaning. And so feet are a very, very significant player in this. And yet feet are not the most normal thing to study and to focus. There's something you just sort of want to cover up. And, and yet, for balance, for movement, and also for dominion, where your foot shall go, wherever it shall tread, I will give that to you. You're taking territory. All things are under his feet. And so what we see is a statement of authority and dominion. And so as a result, there is something very, very important. When God wants to increase what is on your feet, it's an important thing to recognize so Paul also is going to say to put on the new man, the new clothing, the new sandals. Colossians 3, 9 through 10. This is the same scripture I just read, but with the second half of it. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So if we don't put off the first, then we die with Adam. And so Christianity begins with a putting off, a removal. We have seen there's been a proving in our soul of the fact that 
We are insufficient in and of ourselves. There's a just condemnation upon us and we need to put that off, repent of it so that we can wear Christ. And that's where we find life. Of course, that's just the symbol of the gospel right there. It's clothing. New clothing for a new thing. So I want you to recognize that I am talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ and yet I'm wanting to take a parallel and an application into our lives to recognize that yes, if you are still wearing Adam, put off Adam and put on Christ. But many of us also are wearing entrapments of the previous season of our life of of faith. And we have traditions that we've formed. We have ways that we like doing things. I am a classic rut guy. If you hang around with me, you'll notice I go to a restaurant. Well, I always go to the same restaurants too. And I get the same food every time. And then there's other people out there that always like, like Philip. He always wants to try something new. And, he, and he does, he's a lot better prepared for this message than I am. I'm a rut guy. I like predictability. And so when COVID-19 came, it messed up my rhythm. I had a rhythm of how I do things, how I am creative, how I get my messages prepared, and suddenly I couldn't go here and I couldn't go here. I'm like in the house and I can't think in this environment. And so it was very interesting because God was wanting to do a new thing, and guess what? He did. That season, for many of us, we could probably look back and say, wow, it was remarkable. Now, it was probably extremely hard at at varying levels, but for those of us that sort of allowed the Spirit of God to just work through us, in us, it was like, wow, I needed this. This is a tremendous gift, but it was a new thing. And we oftentimes resist against the new because we like the old. It's the same way it is in coming to Christ. Why wouldn't we all just come to Christ? I mean, what's the hesitation? It's a new thing, a new creation. Forgiveness? I mean, are you scared about forgiveness? Mercy, kindness, I mean, love, eternal life? I mean, can you look at it? Can you find a bad side to this? But what happens to my control? What happens to the way that I like to do things? Well, you need to give that up. Aha, there it is. You see, we don't like to let go of old. And yet, to live, we must let go of the first. New clothing for a new thing. Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. New clothing for a new thing. New clothing for a new life. Ephesians 4.24, put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Put on the new man for a new thing. Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, we are not just given clothing, we're given armor. I mean, this is like an upgrade to our little robe, our Jewish robe. Now we have armor on top of that. We are given the fullness of everything we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this one. This is a fascinating one to throw in. And in that very armor, there are new shoes. We are given shoes. And now I always look at the armor as being Christ. It's an incredible symbol of Christ. We're supposed to wear Christ. We're supposed to put on Christ. And so obviously that's what we're doing here is we're being clothed in him, in his work And yet what we have are shoes, sandals. Our feet are supposed to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is like we have a job to do, some place to go, a new place to do our walking. These old shoes, these desert shoes have wandered the wilderness 
longing for the 40 to come to an end. And when those 40 come to an end, I don't know why they would want to continue wandering the wilderness. Who, who in their right mind would want to stay in the wilderness when they could enter into the land of promise? Mm -hmm. That's the same thing I want to set before all of us. Who in the right mind would not want the new thing? Why would we stay in old desert sandals when we could have our feet shod with Christ Jesus and his purpose that would take us where he would go, that would empower us to do what he would do in this earth? Put off Moses. And that's what you see happening in the end of uh, Deuteronomy 3. You feel bad for Moses, I know, but you do know that Moses is going to make it into the land of promise. You know that, right? In the years to come, what, 1,300 years later or so? And he's going to stand on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's going to get into the land of promise, and he's going to have a front row seat to the transfigured Christ. Okay, so don't feel bad for him. He's got it pretty good. However, he's a symbol in this story, and what you see is the nation of Israel has to put off the first. They have to put off the manna. They have to put off the old sandals. They have to put off the old uh, desert clothing. They have to put off Moses so that they can now wear a new leader. And so God has to remove Moses so that the people can now wear Joshua. So the wandering in the wilderness, the life under the law of sin and death, and then we're supposed to put on Joshua, Jesus. Taking, the taking of the promise, life empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the old desert sandals are not bad, and I think that's important for us to note in this. They've been a blessing. All that God has done, if we were to look at the, just in, in, the, in the history of uh, the church in America, for instance, over this past couple hundred years, you know, it's like, praise God for what he has done. And yet, if a new thing isn't done, and now, we're going down. We can't just hold on to old traditions. We must rise up and be the church of Jesus Christ in the way that God defines right now. You have walked supernaturally in those shoes, but you need to shod your feet with even greater shoes for this next step of the journey. So what do we need to do to have our feet shod with even greater shoes? Sometimes we need to freshly just remove the old shoes. Like I said, I'm taking off these shoes to start out as a symbol of something. And that is inside of Eric Ludi, I am declaring to my God I'm willing for you to give me fresh shoes for a fresh journey. I don't want to say it has to be like it always has been, but I'm willing for you to take me into new places and to do new things in this generation. They're not going to violate his word, by the way, for those of you that are concerned that God's going to go off reservation and start doing weird, wild-eyed things that contradict his word. No, it's always in agreement with his word. But what God is willing to do is sometimes beyond our comfort zone and beyond what we would naturally be inclined towards because we're naturally inclined towards doing the same thing forever and always, except if you're Philip, you like to eat weird dishes. Deuteronomy 3, 23 through 28. I read this scripture earlier. Now I'm gonna slightly alter just with a parenthetical statement here, okay? Just, I just wanna forewarn you that I am messing with it a little, but to make a point. 
Let me, Moses speaking, I pray, cross over and see the fair land that is beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on, it says on your account, right? But I'm going to say on account of my firstborn state. Abraham is going to plead that Ishmael could stand before him and be the fulfillment of the promise. It's the same thing that you see here. Can't the first somehow enter in? No. Because of Moses' he represents the first. Because of that, because of your firstborn state, you can't enter in. You must be born again. You must become a second. That's the entire message of the gospel. You must leave behind the first and become a second. But, oh, let me finish this. And would not listen to me, and the Lord said to me, enough, speak to me no more of this matter, but charge Joshua. There's our man. That's the one that can lead us into the land. So, remember our pattern here, 40 years complete. Instead, this is 400 years complete. Remember of silence and God doesn't speak. It's this mysterious silence, but everyone's anticipating and leaning in because the Messiah will come. 400 years complete, the Lord becomes the man. That was a fun phrase to write. This man asks us to remove our sandals so he can wash our feet and shod them with new shoes. Gospel, right there. Isn't that amazing? And what is he saying? I'm going to do a new thing. Capital N, new. John 13, 3 through 5. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. What we see is a removal of shoes. Most of us don't see that at first. We see a removal of shoes and we see Jesus coming in and taking those feet that have wandered the wilderness for far too long, wandered in a first condition, and he washes them. Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, If anyone is in Christ, what's your position? Christ. This is talking about you. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Adam, he is an old creation. If anyone is in Jesus, he is a new creation. If you are still following Moses, you will die in the wilderness. If you are willing to put off Moses and follow Joshua, you will enter into a land of promise, a new land, and you will see the Lord do a new thing. What we want at every step of our journey is to make sure that we do not return to old tradition, but that we allow God to continue to progress us into his territory where he is leading, where his cloud moves, we go. So many mistakes have been made throughout the scriptural uh, testimony that we have received through the generations that say they stopped short. They wanted to build a tent here (laughs) instead of progressing on where God was going. I love traditions and I love the the things of olds, but I don't want to have a 
grip on the things of the past, I want to move forward into what God is doing today and tomorrow. And I'm willing to get uncomfortable to figure out what that is, which is why I have removed my shoes. And so what I'm doing by making these declarations is I want to also invite you into considering removing your shoes. Now, that can be a symbolic statement. It could be a practical, physical statement as a statement as a, as a body of Christ. Uh, Steve was telling me, uh, what was it, yesterday or the day before, that in India, when they come into a church service, they all remove their shoes and leave them at the door. I mean, whether or not that's what we should be doing, because to me, it's symbolic more than it is just physical shoes off. At the same time, Physical shoes off is declaring something. We all sort of feel it. When you remove those shoes and you're saying, Lord, first of all, I recognize that I'm on ground that is unlike the ground I usually stand on. And it's not the building. It's the fact that we are standing in the presence of God, proclaiming his word, his agenda in this earth, and we tremble because it's holy. It's other than the world. It's other than the world's system. It's other than the world's thinking. It's other than the world's living. We are on holy ground. And so, yes, it's not just in a building like this that we're on holy ground. Technically, we could walk around without shoes on for the rest of our life if we were to take this to where it needs to go. At the same time, we live in such a way knowing that as we are willing to let go of first things or traditional things and say, God, you clothe me. I want your new. I do not want to just hold on to the old things. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Revelation 21.5, then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. A new thing and a new thing. Now, I've tried to clarify this as we go forward that I am not referencing a new thing like what Christ did on the cross. What he gave us was a new creation. And that's the capital N, capital T, new thing. However, he also does new things. Small, lowercase n, lowercase t, new things. And that's where I want us to come in today. Now, if you have never encountered the new thing, capital N, capital T, well, that's where I would want to start with you. I know in a gathering like this, most of us have encountered the new thing, capital N, capital T, but what we need to be ready for is the lowercase n, lowercase t, new thing in our life. And there's a reticence in some of us. We, we sort of just want God to do it the way he always has. Because it's predictable. It's understood. It's not going to get weird. I, I'm not a fan of weird either, by the way. For any of you that are wondering if Eric likes weird, I don't like weird. And I would rather stay away from weird. But what I want is God. And God is willing to move his people into uncomfortable territory so that he gets the glory. I mean, if I'm going to look at Gideon... I'm going to feel like this is a new way of doing battle that I'm uncomfortable with. Okay, we had 32,000 and now we're down to 300. And God's like, I'm doing a new thing. <laughs> uh, God, could you do a new thing in a different generation? Why do we need to pick this generation and wish to new, do a new thing? Add with me. I'm like Gideon where I would sort of want a, a few more proofs that I need to go forward in this way. And yet I want to be Gideon. You know, you have these, uh, if you were to look at uh, Moses, who's going to come into Pharaoh with, uh, you know, 10 plagues, 
you know, there's, there's a proper way of doing this, and that's just wipe out Pharaoh. Instead, God's going to do it in a new way, a way that takes obedience, a way that takes dependence. Joshua is going to march around Jericho seven straight days. Okay, that's awkward. God, why do we need to do it this way? Why don't you just bulldoze the place? You say you're going before me. Why do we need to do it in a new way? And yet God has a new thing that he's willing to do. The question is, are we willing to heed it and to follow it and to be as Gideon or to be as Moses? I should get these in better order. And to do these as Joshua so that we can demonstrate the realities of a different realm here through vessels that are humble and do not think so highly of their own way and their own form of doing things, but that they trust that God's form of doing things is superior. And that if you study God's form of doing things, it always works and it always reveals something greater. When Jesus defeats the powers of sin, he does it in a way that is so shocking, and we're going to call it new, he is going to give up his life. And at the time that was so preposterous, that even his disciples could not fathom it. And yet he set forth a pattern that is going to then crescendo throughout New Testament Christianity to recognize it's like, actually the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, that if I'm willing to give up my life, this very thing that I'm carrying, this gospel, will spread. That is a different way of moving forward, to give up our life instead of to claim life. That is backwards from the way we would normally walk. Could you remove your shoes? I'd like to wash your feet. And I would like to shod your feet with a new way of walking, a new way of living, so that your life will go where I will take you, not where you would think to normally go. So sandals, the way we have walked up until today, So there's a way that we've done things up until today, and it doesn't mean it's bad, and it doesn't mean that God's going to override all of it and change it all. The question is, are we willing to remove it and set it before him and say, God, my feet, if he wants to stick back on the same shoes that we've had, that's his business. But are we willing to take them off and say, God, I'm willing to do this differently. The supernatural way of yesterday, you know, What I have found in my shoes over the past 10 years, just at Ellerslie, 11 years or so, whatever it's been, I've seen supernatural things happen. I've seen God supply and provide in ways that are book-worthy. I just haven't gotten up the guts to write the book because I feel like once I write the book, there'll be, you know, 40 more chapters that God will immediately go, well, we'll put these in too. And yet, I have seen something in those shoes over the last 11 years, but I'm willing to take them off and say, God... If you have something different than even what we're doing right now, which is powerful, it's a symbol of your grace at work, but God, here it is. I freshly lay it before you. The previous manner in which something was done, well, there's a way that we do things here at Ellerslie. You can do that, and it works, but are we willing to say, God, if you want to do it differently? 
You know, I know that the charismatic-leaning people in here get excited at a message like this because they're like, Eric's going to really open up to the Holy Spirit at another level. I, you know, the, it always is, is funny for me to hear that because I feel like, well, I thought I was open to the Holy Spirit already. But the charismatic people are like, no, 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 you have a lot more to do. All I, all, what I would say is I desire God. And I desire God to be God. I don't desire any false fire. I desire real fire. And I believe the body of Christ can recognize and discern real fire. And I do think there's been a lot of false fire in this world that is trying to hype up this idea that God is doing something when maybe he's not. I'm interested in the real thing. That's where I stand. And I am ready to follow that cloud when it moves. That which needs to be removed for fresh washing. You know, in the, uh, this ancient culture that we're describing now back in ancient Judea, they walked a lot and they had sandals. You have some dirty feet. And so the foot washer was a low, low position. And so when Jesus washes their feet, it's a, an astounding statement. But we need to recognize that we need our feet washed regularly. And that we get, we wander a bit in our shoes and sometimes we need to take off our shoes just for that fresh washing to recognize, Lord, thank you for cleaning me because if I don't stay clean in your presence, I can't do this. And so sometimes the removal of the shoes is just for the fresh washing. Maybe not even, I mean, if you've never had them washed in the first place by Jesus and been cleansed and washed by his blood, well, then let's start there. Capital C cleansing, capital W washing. And yet all throughout our life, any of us that have walked this narrow way recognize that there's a few things that we can step in along the way and we need to freshly come to God, remove our shoes and allow his basin and towel to freshly wash, cleanse and dry up our feet again. And then he rebinds our feet with those shoes. And number five, that which needs to be removed for fresh shotting, new direction and new power. The church of Jesus Christ needs something greater than what we have right now. We need to be walking in a greater grace, a greater strength, a greater authority. I read about it in the scripture, so I know we have it in our inheritance. But we aren't used to walking in it and wielding it in this generation. I, as a symbol in front of you, am saying, I want my feet shod with stronger shoes. I want to walk in the direction that the Holy Spirit is desiring the church of Jesus Christ to walk. If every one of us as Christians in this generation were to freshly remove our shoes and say the same thing, I think we're in good shape. Not because I have a proposal of where that is. It's not my direction. It's not my vision. It's his. But it's me submitting to it. It's us submitting to his vision for the church. Where do you want to take us, Lord? Because we're in a desperate hour. We are. And the church cannot change the world if it, stay, it stays in its old way of doing things. We need to be willing to allow the Spirit of God to move us forward. Are we willing to remove our sandals? Is it possible that the Lord is doing a new thing in our time? Is it possible that he is desiring to move us out of old traditions and into new realities? Isaiah 43, 19, behold, 
I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you be aware of it? Joshua 5, 6 through 15. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What is my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I'm not going to say that you need to take off your shoes, but I will invite you as we close to make whatever symbol of response would be appropriate for you. Like I said, I believe it is a internal thing before it's an external, but the reason I raise my hands in worship is not because I have to, but because what is going on inside of me needs expression. And I desire to share that in some way. And the human body has limited capacity to shout, to express amazement and awe. And so the physical body will oftentimes follow what is taking place in the spiritual man. And so as a result, our voice will increase in volume when we get excited We'll do jigs with our legs when we get so thrilled. That's what my jig looks like. And so we'll even remove shoes. We'll get on our faces. We'll bow. We'll do things externally to symbolize something that is taking place internally. So I'm not requiring anything as much as I just want to be still before God and to allow God to move us into whatever position he would. My desire isn't to dictate what this looks like, where we go, what the new thing is. I just want to prepare ourselves to go where he's going. That's, that's my desire, and that's my statement to you. It's saying that, first of all, I think it's, it is what God is doing, is he's preparing us as the church to go where he's going, and that it may not be where we've been before. And, you know, if church is no longer in buildings, but it's uh, on street corners, that's weird. Well, we've never done that before. I'm still open to it, is my point. I don't want to define it according to our old systems. I want it God's way. Father, lead us in this time. I pray that you would put the finishing touches on this meditation in a way that only you can. We love you and trust you. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. This message was brought to you by the team at Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Listen to our weekend message live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings, or join us for Daily Thunder Monday through Friday at 8.15 a.m. For more information, go to live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.